Hey, welcome to Amplified Living Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John, and I have an amazing guest with me. Her name is Kirsty, and she owns a uh, company called MVK Consulting Services or Counseling Services, MVK Counseling Services. Now, this uh, young lady does some miracle work with families, and especially in a time when we're all stressed out in a pandemic and locked down in your house with your kids crawling underneath your hair and trying to get into your bedroom when you're busy doing the things that you're busy doing. Um, it's amazing how much we need people like her to help us not to solve our problems necessarily, but to coach us to find better solutions. And when I was uh, talking with Kirsty, um, so that's K-I-R-S-T-Y earlier, and she said, you know, the best way to describe the what it is that I do is that I center in on the person or the people that are involved and I help them find solutions. So if you are all out there listening, thinking to yourself, you know, I don't want to just listen to another um, a little bit of tell me what I should be doing. Um, but how about we give you some techniques that you could utilize that could help you. And then whether you use them or not, that's completely up to you. But then you'll be able to see what's happening within the lives of other people. And hopefully maybe that gives you some information. So without further ado, Kirsty, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. And I'm super stoked to talk about this kind of subject. And, you know, because I didn't really tell uh, you much about what I had gone through, my wife had gone through. But, you know, for those folks out there that think that, hey, this guy's got his own podcast and he's got his shit together, it is not necessarily true all the time. And, I, and, and what we do is we look for people that have already done what, what, what we want to do. And, and when we're looking at our children, we're thinking, how can we work together more effectively, more efficiently? How can we have a better relationship? Why is it that I'm being triggered by my 11-year-old all the time? when I don't need to be, yeah. and then um, literally have a counselor come in and say, right, well, let's work together and find some, and, and let's help coach you. So, cause like kids don't come with instruction booklets. Have you ever found any kids with instruction booklets? I have not found any at the moment. So, but you never know, maybe in the future, they might start coming with some instruction manuals. That and marriage instructions. So should we have a marriage? <laughs> All men should come with a very lengthy instruction manual and then all well, ladies could, could, yeah. Double the length of the instruction manual for the ladies. No, no, I'm only joking. Okay, us, we are just as complicated individuals. That we are. Um, uh, before we, we, we started uh, actually having this conversation that we're having now, we, you and I had a brief talk about, you know, what types of stresses or what types of situations are happening now that are most, like, most dominant? What are you really dealing with on the front lines right now? I think probably the biggest thing is the uncertainty. People don't know what is going on. We don't know how long this is going to last. And people haven't gone through this situation before. So I think all of that unknown is adding to the stress of the things that we do know. We know a lot of people have lost their jobs. We know a lot of people are going to be out of work for a certain period of time. Everyone is relying on information from the government about what what's going to happen next. Yeah, We're seeing what's happened overseas in different countries and we're trying to see if that's going to affect us here in Australia. And people can't plan. And I think that's probably one of the biggest stresses. I know for myself, <clears throat> I'm a big planner. I like to know exactly what I'm going to be doing. So I had some plans this year, like everyone did, I'm sure. And now all of those plans have been suspended or cancelled. But we don't know when they're actually going to be picking back up again. Mm. So that is a massive stress for people. People just don't know what to do. People haven't experienced this type of thing before. Even with the GFC that happened probably about 10 years ago, 
nothing like this. This has affected every single country in the world and it's affecting businesses and industries that we probably didn't think it would affect. Mm. So it's that unknown. So that is just really compounding all of just your normal adulting stresses that everybody has. We don't know what's happening. We don't know when it's going to end and we also don't know what life is going to look like after this all ends. Mm. So, yeah, it's a massive thing for everybody to go through. Uncertainty. I'm just going to adjust mm. your mic. Is that cool? That That's is fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Okay, just pointing more at you. Yeah. All right, awesome. Um, yeah, the uncertainty is something that it's hard to get comfortable with the unknown. I always ask the question, who out there listening right now loves um, uncertainty, not knowing what's going to come next? And then inevitably someone goes, oh, you know what? I love that. I love surprises. And I want to say to you, the people that love surprises, you really only love surprises when they work in your favor. Exactly. When they're not working in your favor, <laughs> surprises are not really that wonderful. Not really, no. <laughs> and this is, I suppose this is a massive surprise. I don't think anyone went into 2020 thinking this is what was going to happen. No one thought that in March, the entire world was essentially going to shut down and not have an expected opening back up again date. Yeah. Could not have thought of this was going to happen this year. I have friends, I have family in America that are completely locked down in the middle of the epicenter of all the chaos where some of the most amount of cases are being found, where there is literal fear to even step outside your door, right? Even now, and we're generous just into the month of May, 2020. And even now, um, here in Australia, we're just starting to feel a little bit like flex and, and stretch our more liberal muscles, you know, because we haven't had much of that problem here. But in America, it's it's still quite, yeah, there's hope, but we don't know. They don't know anything. Yeah. And so I, I suppose what's most insightful for me is how I myself have been interacting with my kids. Now I have three children and and all various ages quite apart. And, and I would imagine that all, whether they're far apart from each other or very, very close together, it's stressful in different ways. Most definitely. So when you show up, what kind of, I don't know, just tell me what have you been seeing? What have you been really dealing with mostly and how, and, and as a counselor working with the fa in that family unit and how have you been helping? Okay, so probably a lot of um, the things that I've been seeing, and this was even before the whole corona COVID type of thing, was around behavioural types of things so and this is uh, I suppose the whole coronavirus and the lockdown and everything is really just compounding it so it's around behavior so around um, maybe boundaries being pushed so kids obviously like to push the boundaries and see how far they can get and parents um, are just really struggling with how to actually put in those boundaries and stick with them so that consistency because it is such an uncertain time and they're trying to look out for their own mental health and also their kids mental health because it is such a weird time they're not wanting to impose certain boundaries in because they feel that that will cause more damage. But not having boundaries is actually causing a lot more issues because kids don't know exactly what is going on and not having that, this is, I know this is what I should be doing. Mm. So if that's not getting imposed, regardless of the situation that's happening, you're going to have chaos and there's going to be a lot of confusion and anger that's being displayed by the children and then the parents reacting to that and then they're going through their normal adult stresses that everybody has, regardless of what's going on. And it's, yeah, it's just not a good situation. So there's no, none of that teamwork. There's no, I suppose, control for the want of a better word. And the family unit just isn't working in a functional way. Yeah. And so, so what would you do, let's say, for example, when you sit in with a family that where you're having and experiencing those behavioral issues and, and you're, it's evident to you that the parents haven't set up a good 
you know, boundary sort of uh, template for the kids. And, and rightly so that, I mean, maybe they're even trying, but what they're doing to do it yeah. isn't effective, yeah. right? which is, I think is, is because I think the bulk of the people that might, that I know, and that those, and I would just make an assumption or presumption that many of the listeners are actually trying of to. Of course, parents are doing a great job. But what they're doing is not working, That's maybe. Potentially, and maybe it's just they're trying certain things that maybe used to work in their own personal experience. So when they were a kids, they're modeling their parenting off what their parents did, thinking, you know, it was good enough for me, but may not be working in, I suppose, this current climate or in just this day and age. Things are a lot different from, I suppose, if you think about someone in their 30s or 40s, what really worked for them back then with their parents is not working now. So kids have access to technology they have access to, I suppose, basically everything. They can have everything as soon as they want it. Mm. Whereas back probably when we were younger, we didn't have that. So that's, I suppose, an extra element the parents are having to contend with as well. Isn't that every parent argument when I was a kid? <laughs> yes, it is. And I, <laughs> I know I'm shuddering when I'm actually <laughs> saying that, but it is really true. You do go back to what you know and yes. what you experienced as well. So parents are battling with that. Then they're also battling with, I suppose, they get so, I suppose we all have access to so much information. You're having experts, parenting experts. You're having celebrities. People are looking at Facebook and Instagram and they're seeing other people's families and how everything's going perfect and wonderful and then sitting there and looking into themselves going, well, my family unit isn't acting that way or why is, it, you know, why is this person you know, just having this model family? But as we all know, social media is only just a real slice of what people are experiencing and it's a very... No one shares the bad stuff, do well, they? Well, no one does. So it's a very curated part of people's lives. No one is talking about the times where they've had like massive arguments in the house. You're sitting on the couch in your pyjamas, you're eating two-minute noodles or ramen or whatever it happens to be because you just cannot be bothered. Mm. Nobody is posting that. People are posting when they're going out, when they've got like a really good family photo and everyone's looking lovely and smiling and happy not knowing that, you know, two hours before there were screaming fits. Chaos. Just absolute chaos. So I think that's really hard for parents as well. So comparing, and I suppose not just parents, anyone, you're always comparing yourself to what you see and thinking, what am I doing wrong? Why is this person seeming to have everything together or have their shit together basically? Yeah. But, and then going, well, maybe I don't, what am I doing wrong? So I think it's a little bit of the comparison as well and just access to too much information sometimes and not knowing what is the right parenting style or model I should be using? Because all kids are different. So they're not all cookie cutters and they don't just do what you ask them to do all the time. Mm. They're actual living people. They're not robots. So you've got to contend with that. So different ages of different kids as well. And then just you going through your own personal things as well is going to impact how you parent as well. Mm. So there's no such thing as a perfect parent. You're right. Yeah. Just perfectly imperfect. And, and they it. say that comparison is the thief of your soul. It is, most definitely. And I suppose we're all guilty of it. We've all done it before. We've all looked at, you know, something on Instagram or Facebook and gone, why isn't my life like that? But not knowing everything that's gone in behind it. So you don't know the full story of what someone's gone through to get to the point where they are. Hmm. You just see, just as this perfect little image or what they're doing right then and there, but not seeing all, it could be the hard work, it could be the struggle, all those types of things just to get to that point. So I'm sure it's not fair for me to ask you this question, but I'm going to ask you this question That's anyway. Okay. What do we do as parents? Where do we start? Do we start within ourselves? Do we start externally and look at our hard set 
plan for the family? What do we do when this A happens? What do we do when B happens? Yeah. Where do we, where does a parent start? Oh, and that's a really tough one because everyone is going through different things. So probably what I would suggest is probably just looking at, well, what are you wanting? I suppose end goals. So looking at the goal, what's that solution? What are you hoping to achieve? Is it kids' behaviour? Maybe it's but they're being disrespectful. Maybe they're not respecting you, respecting other family members. So maybe it's starting there. Okay, this is what you're expecting. So kind of like house rules, like what are the expectations of the family so everyone can function together? And then working how you actually achieve that. So everybody likes boundaries, knowing what they can and can't do. And everyone likes choices as well. So a really great model is um, Gary Landreth. He has a model, which is the choices model, which I think is absolutely fantastic. I use it all the time. It is. It's absolutely, it's a great model and it's so simple. And I think it incorporates the old school parenting with some of the new schools. So rather than the threatening, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. It's more giving kids choices and making them appropriate for their age. So letting them know that, you know, if you keep on, you know, talking to me in a disrespectful manner, you're choosing to not use your iPad for a day. But if you choose to speak to me in a respectful manner, you're choosing to use your iPad. So it's not threatening, but it's letting them know that you have two choices. If you if you choose this, this is the consequence that you're choosing. But if you choose this, this is the other consequence. So not talking about positive, negative, threatening, anything like that. They're making the choice. So then they're thinking about it and going, okay, I'm thinking most children don't want to lose their iPad privileges. So they're going to go, okay, I'm not going to do that. They might. Or they might go, okay, I don't really care. Okay, you're choosing not to use your iPad for a day. Yes. And then they tend to, when you take the iPad away for the day, they say, why are you taking the iPad? And your your response is, well, you, you chose, chose this. And that's the thing. It's not saying you did the wrong thing. It's you chose to behave in this manner. Mm. And that's it. And I think it's also about consistency and follow through, which is really, really Guilty. hard. Oh, and it is really Guilty hard. Guilty as charged. Yeah, if you're having a bad day and you just want five minutes peace and quiet and you think, okay, if I could just give them back their iPad, I would get that five minutes. But kids are going to go, okay, if I do this, I know that I'm going to get my iPad back. And that they learn from that. They they push boundaries. That's what kids do. We all did it. Yeah, but can I can I just interject? the? Yeah. And, and I want to interject and I want to, uh, I want to pull up parents on their behavior. Uh, a parental five minute, I just need five minutes, <laughs> normally equates to a potential 30 minute to 45 minute time frame. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Often. So I just need five more minutes, which is likely double the triple the length of time. Probably. And then does a child actually feel five minutes? Do they actually know what five minutes what is? This? I just need a moment. Mm. How long is a moment? I'll ask this question to the audience and I want you to contemplate this. Um, and then you can answer your, you can answer me what you yeah. think and I'll tell you what yeah. I think. So what is a short period of time for you? If I said to you, look, I will uh, be over in a short period of time. How long would you expect that? I'd probably, for, for me, between five and 15 minutes. That would be my short period of time. You're right. Yeah. And a short period of time for me is roughly around 15 to 30 minutes. I think that's yeah. a short period of time. Yeah. If I said to you, look, um, I know you want uh, you. You asked me for this um, document, mm -hmm. and it's going to take me a long period of time to get this document to you. H how much? How long are you anticipating? Well, that would be a hard one because I like firm or at least approximate. So either like a day, or is it going to be like the end of the day? Is it going to be tomorrow? I'd prefer that more tangible timeframes. Right. I want to know how many people out there thought a long period of time <laughs> would be like a week or a month, or it could be ten years from now. It or, could be. It's right. such it's such an open ended like a long period of time. Because for me, 
a long period of time, probably be, be about a week. And then it depends on the context of what that is. Like, is it a document and is it a one-page document? Is it a 50-page document or is it a book? Right. So the point of view now of mm. we're anticipating, we're confused. Yeah. Who's confused? We're confused. How confused is your child when you're, when you're at, when you're, when you were adding time frames into I'll be ready in a minute, I'll be there in a moment, mm. just a few seconds, which is never a few seconds. The child's well, I'm like, guilty of saying, I lost, I'll be a second. I, I watched three shows and mom said, <laughs> I'll be there in a second. So yeah. to me, a second is three shows and that's not acceptable for me. I, I, I don't want that. I need someone to wipe my bum now, that's not it. in three seconds, <laughs> not, not three shows from now, right? Yeah. So I think I want to call parents out and say, mm. You know, are you aware of how you're communicating to your child? And are you aware of that you're using a filter of intelligence that your child doesn't necessarily have? Or they see it with a different lens. And also kids are very literal. If you say a second, they're going to call you on one second mm. because that's all they know. Whereas as adults, when we say, I'll oh, just be a second, we know that that could be a short period of time. We know that you're busy doing something <laughs> right now and your next priority is me after that's you're right. done doing that. That's what a second means, doesn't it? Is. it true? Yeah, that's, I know, that's how I use it. Like, I'll call you back in a second, which I'm not going to call you back in one second. It could be five or 10 minutes. I know you're engaged and your next engagement will be with me, per, yep. you know, barring emergencies. That's right. Yeah, so that's how I suppose my meaning of it. But kids are very literal. They will call you on it if you say five minutes and if they know how to look at a, a clock, they will be coming back on the dot, if not before. So, so to, to rewind back to our choices, mm. because I do use this now, and I'm getting yeah. a, a, to be quite a connoisseur of choices <laughs> these days. I said to my son the other day, he, he, uh, he was in my bed, and he's getting school time. It's time to get ready for school. He jumps in. He's got an iPad. He's watching a little bit of morning whatever video of something that he likes and enjoys. And I said to him, hey, hey son, you, uh, come out. We're going to get dressed. And we're going to do X, Y, Z. So can you put your, your iPad down? And then when you're done getting dressed, you can watch it if you want while you're eating breakfast. Uh, no, I don't want to go right now. I was in the middle of this thing. Mm. I said, okay. Well, you can choose to put your iPad down now and come and get dressed and then have some time with your iPad. That would be fine. Or you can choose to watch it now and then stress out the entire family. And I don't think you can have your iPad all day today. And then, you know, he looked at me, gives me a little grump. Sounds just like this. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> just like that. And he says, okay. I said, so and then I, I said, which did you choose? He goes, I choose to put my iPad down and eat breakfast. <laughs> I, said, I said, okay, well, then that was a great choice. Now, the tough part is, is when they don't make that choice. Exactly. And that is, I suppose, with any parent, if you're having to take away something the children enjoy and they're going to show you their displeasure when you take it away – Having, being able to stay strong and follow through with, um, I suppose, that choice or that consequence, especially if it means that the kids are going to be unhappy, they're going to be crying, things like that. That's probably the hardest part about it. I suppose my parents were amazing at the follow through. If I got grounded for a month, I was grounded for an entire month, not a day less. Did not matter. Even if I was, you know, being really good again, would not matter. They they were really, really good at the follow through. So, Whereas other people, I know that if they got grounded, it'd last for maybe a couple of days and then, you know, they were back to doing, you know, whatever they were doing beforehand. And I was always like, oh, I wish my parents were like that. But 
I think it was really good because I knew that if I did something wrong, there was a, a consequence and the consequence would be, um, yeah, severely um, impressed upon me. So it was that lesson that I wouldn't do it again because I knew what that consequence was like. It wasn't a good one. So I didn't do it again. So so the, the parental cons- consequence, the parents <clears throat> have to be prepared to dish out a consequence that they can hold themselves accountable to actually playing out. So mm. I learned this early on. Um, I said, you could choose X, Y, Z, or you can choose A, B, C, but if you choose A, B, C, then you're going to be grounded for a month. Yeah. Now, grounding my child for a month is extraordinarily difficult for me. It puts a lot of stress on the family. It puts a lot of stress on me. And guess what happened? They never got grounded for a month. <laughs> That's right. They never got grounded. The one time I said, you're going to lose your iPad for a month, that was true, because, mm. but I, I forgot where I put it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's so it was like, <laughs> they were like, you need to go to a store and buy me a new one three months later. And I'm like, no, I swear. It's in the house it's somewhere. somewhere. I promise you. Yeah, it's in a safe place. Uh, it's in a safe place. <laughs> it's not in a bad place. So parents, when you're creating consequences, would you agree, Kirsty, that, uh, that you have to create a consequence that you're capable of actually achieving yeah. and you have to know thyself, right? Yeah. Don't expect, I wouldn't say to expect unusual, all, all of a sudden you're going to turn on a, an unusual leaf and change your behavior overnight. No. If, and, and, and maybe you don't need to. Do they have to be that detrimental all the time? No. no, definitely not. And I think it's when you are looking at consequences, it's matching the consequence with the child's age. There is, I suppose, for a child who is five, taking something away for a month, it's not really appropriate. One day would have the same impact. Impact, yeah. Whereas when children get a bit older and turn into teenagers and things like that, obviously... Six longer. months. Six months, teenager, yeah, definitely. Yes. Ground them for six months, so if you can handle that. But it has to, I suppose, be appropriate and also not over-choicing everything. You don't want to put a choice on everything because then otherwise it loses its value. Yes. It doesn't have the same impact. So it's all about looking at, okay, maybe for... You know, a child's not going to be able to watch their favorite TV show that night. Mm. But not for everything. So not putting it on everything. And I suppose it's looking at where where are you having the struggles with your child? So is it around behavior? Is it around doing homework, chores, getting along with their siblings? And maybe trying to pinpoint one of those things and sitting down and talking to them and explaining why things are going to start changing. So letting them know that you know how it makes you feel when they're talking to you disrespectfully or if they're not doing their homework or whatever it happens to be. So they're understanding how that makes you feel. Mm. And then talking to them about this is what we're going to do, that you're going to, this is what you need to do. And if you choose to do what you need to do, you're choosing to whatever the activity is that they really enjoy. So just say it's the, you know, watching a TV show, letting them know that if they do behave in the way that is acceptable or whatever it happens to be, that they're choosing to be able to enjoy their favorite TV show. But if they choose not to, they're choosing not to watch their favorite TV show. Mm. And then seeing how that goes. And it's a learning curve for both people. It's a learning curve well, for the parents. It took me a while. It, it a does. While. It is. It's really, really hard because you parents don't want to see their kids upset. They don't want to see them miss out on the things that they enjoy. But then parents also don't want to be dealing with the issues that they're having. So whether it's um, kids talking back, being disrespectful, all those types of things. So it's that balance there. So you don't want to over choice everything. You don't want to make it too hard for you to stick with or for the kids to lose that so they're not losing the impact of it. Yeah. And just seeing how it goes and, yeah, trying – if you put it in, you know, you're not watching your favourite TV show for a month, 
probably not going to have a really good like a, a good impact but soon one, they'll forget it and find another tv show exactly that's right they will find something else to do and then you're like okay well that really lost had its impact lost its impact three weeks ago exactly so six months is you know it's not going to work so it's starting off small and starting off with just maybe one or two things so maybe picking those two things that you are struggling with in the family with that particular child and it's not I suppose it's not, okay, if you muck up, you're going to, you know, everyone misses out because that's not fair for the other kids and things like that. It's making it um, personalised, individual, and talking to the kids about it. So why this is happening. So they understand and it's using that positive language. So it's not about threatening. It's about letting them know that they have a choice to make. These are the choices and these are the consequences and really explaining it to them and saying, right, if you behave, you're, if you behave in this way, this is what's going to happen. If you behave in this way, this is what's going to happen. And then when, if they make a choice, so if it's in the negative, so they're, you know, misbehaving or talking back, it's telling them, I see you have chosen to not watch your show tonight and then leaving it at that. So not continually going on about it, but then if they go to watch the show, remember you chose not to watch your show tonight and then leaving it at that, keeping it really, really simple. So then the kids can think about it and then they're going to understand how they feel when they missed out on something. So when they're next fa- in that same situation, hopefully the behaviour changes because they know that you're going to follow through. Yeah. They're going to miss out on something they really enjoy. They don't want that to happen. So it's really slow. And you're going to have really great days. You're going to have really, really crap days as well. It's not going to work. Mm. But you just have to persevere with it. And the follow through, I think, is the most important thing. Yeah, I saw a, a significant... Um, shift in my ability to be able to just let's say okay talk and explain choices and consequences that for every choice there's a consequence my son says says to me one one morning he says daddy every action has an equal and opposite reaction i said oh yeah that's really interesting where did you learn that (laughs) learned at school yeah i said oh okay cool and then but that is your choice consequence so that teaching your children now to the extreme i know people that parent them parent their children fully on consequences so for example their child is uh, standing on a fence and walking across a six foot fence a two meter fence right and they're like i'm like maybe you should not have your child on the top of the fence and they think look i've tried it before they now know that everything they do has consequences i go but if they fall and they break their leg (laughs) Um, this is a significant, well, then they chose their consequences. So I have my measuring device over what mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with in terms of choices and consequence, but I love the lesson. Mm-hmm. I love the lesson. And one other thing that I also discovered was that when you are providing the choice and they choose against your will, this is really difficult. Parents, listen. You've made the choice. They've chosen against your will. So which means the thing that you were trying to accomplish still does not get accomplished, which means you need to now either deal with it, Mm -hmm. right? Or or the choices get worse or something has to change. And and what I found was difficult was uh, that there were times when I was early on doing this that I would still be like, you still didn't do what I asked you to do and it must actually happen. And I'm like, no, I, they've actually made the choice not to do it, which means now the punishment has to happen. So I have to now deal with that thing. Mm. Sometimes not so easy. It isn't easy. And I don't think any part of parenting is easy. So as you said, it doesn't come with a handbook, like marriage, things like that. There's no handbook of how to deal with everything because all kids are different. 
So you can try choices with one kid. It'll work perfectly. Try it with another kid. Really not going to work and you'll be ripping your hair out going, why isn't this working? So it is working with the individual child to find out what is going to work with them. So I suppose the choices model can be adapted because you're not just talking about there's just one particular consequence. You're actually tailoring it to your child. Every child has like a favourite thing that they like doing, reading, watching, whatever it happens to be. So it's tailoring it to them so it will actually impact on them. That consequence has an impact on them. I mean, if you just said, right, no one's going to watch TV for the next week. Well, some kids will be like, yeah, that's cool. I can, you know, read or I can, you know, play with board games, whatever it happens to be. Other kids would be absolutely devastated. So you have to choose it for the individual child. And it's not about threatening and, you know, saying this is, you know, a punishment. It's choosing the language. Mm. So they start to think that every single thing that they do is a choice and it's putting the control back to them. You have to give them a little control, don't you? You do. So I suppose it's like if you're asking kids, like, you know, do you want vegetables for dinner? Nine times out of ten, they'd probably say no. But if you said, do you want beans or carrots? You're giving them a choice. Hopefully that nine times out of ten, they're probably going to pick one one or the other. So it's putting the choice back onto them and letting them know that they're choosing consequences. And as they get older, there's going to be a lot more choices and there's going to be a lot harder consequences so it's getting them prepared for that. And it's just about talking to the kids about how their behaviour or what they're doing is impacting them, but it's also impacting you. So it's having that conversation. It's not about yelling. It's not about screaming, threatening and things like that. It's just having those conversations about feelings and how it actually impacts mm. on everybody. I was just thinking about um, the the two, two things that you had said, which I want to jot down really quickly were – the house rules. Oh yeah, that was something <laughs> else. House rules and oh, it's just went out of my brain. It'll come back. It'll come back. Let's yeah. talk about house rules because do you really have house rules and are they written down and have they been discussed in the family? When when we had our coach, yeah. I call her like a little bit of parenting coach, <laughs> when she came in and she assisted us, first thing she did was get a giant poster board out, sit down with the entire family and say, right, everybody has to be in charge of some part of this home. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what are your, what are your things that you're in charge of? She had literally asked the children and they were like, uh, eating, I'm in charge <laughs> of eating. I'm in charge of turning the television on and off. You know, like they didn't have really yeah. much to say. So she said, right. And, and as she got into the conversation, extrapolated their agreement that they need to be a part of the family unit and say, okay, well, what are you comfortable with? Would you be comfortable with? And then we started with like chores and so on and so forth. Until this, to this day, we still use um, kids, kids. And when I, when I say kids, kids, and I say pretty loud, kids, kids, the first thing that they do when they hear is they say, daddy, daddy. That's like, their their stimulus be like okay i need your attention okay yeah, yeah. And anyway that brings me back to the house rules that were based under that once they had their attention i said rule number three was you had to i don't know what it was maybe fold it was fold the laundry or put the dishes away or something like that or rule number four was don't um, destroy the house. That was rule number four. Pretty good rule. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> but how, how often does your house get destroyed by your children and then who's left to, with the aftermath? Mm. Right? And so I saw kids, kids, daddy, daddy, rule number four, do not destroy my home. Now look around here. 
who's who's in charge of this mess and then coming back to it we actually had our house rules posted all over the house yeah. we, we had house rules posted in the kitchen we had house rules posted on my bedroom door we actually had a tape line across the hallway leading to my bedroom okay and no child was allowed to cross this tape line unless they were invited over by a parent. Okay, yeah. We had uh, our word selection. Now, this was extremely powerful. Uh, we had wor- like f- fragments or statements that we would use, um, and then we would post those all over. And Like a statement would be, um, I need you to go to your room now. Okay? And that was instead of, yelling go to your room da, 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 da. it was if more you like go to your room yeah if yeah. that no it was i need you to go to your room mm. now i or another great one in the kitchen was i can see that you're hungry however dinner will be served in five minutes mm-hmm. please leave the kitchen yeah and we actually had statements in and around the house that we would would as we were walking through we would remind us oh those are the words that i use this is my space and my time. Please go to your room or please leave me while I have my time. And all sorts of statements like that. And how did it work? Yeah, powerful for me. Okay, yeah. Okay, I can, I'm not sure how it transpires across as we saw an immediate effect in the behavior of my children. No, I saw an immediate effect in the, my behavior. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. How, the words that I chose in which I was communicating with my children with I just, I just was offered a new vocabulary. Yeah. So like what vocabulary are your parents using? Do you find that they're limited? There are. And I think parents are just getting so frustrated that they are snapping and they're yelling, even though they're trying not, they're trying their hardest not to, they just get to a breaking point and they're snapping. So the language that that they're using isn't, I suppose, positive. And you know what, we all have those days where we're not all positive and things like that, but that then has an impact on the kids. And then it's also the actions that follow that. The, the parents are snapping and it could be that the parents are just like, go to your room, just get out of my sight. Or it could be, yep, do whatever you want. Yeah, do whatever you want. So that's also, I suppose, that immediate, I suppose, the reaction that the kids are wanting. They want to be able to do whatever they want. So they know that, okay, if I keep on pushing, pushing that boundary could go either way, but it's generally I'm just going to be able to do whatever I want. I'll be able to get the iPad. I'll be able to watch TV. I'll be able to do whatever I want. So I think it's, um, it's, I suppose, setting those boundaries or house rules or whatever it is, but it's also establishing routines. So kids know what they're doing. So they know that, you know, dinner is going to be at a certain time that they need to do X, Y, and Z before dinner when they get home from school. They need to do chores or their homework and things like that. So they have a routine. So it House just, rules. We had those posted in yeah. the kids' room. <coughs> Remember, exactly. this is for you. And I suppose adults, we all like to know that, okay, these are the things that, you know, you need to do before you go to work when you're at work on the way home from work and when you get home, you have those routines already in your life and it just makes things run a lot smoother. So having the kids get involved in those. So, and once again, it's making it age appropriate. You're not going to expect a five-year-old to, you know, be sweeping the floor, but they can pick up their shoes. They can put them in the appropriate spot. They could set the table. They can pick up their toys. Not destroy your house. Not destroy your house and things. And also what does that mean? Not destroy the house. Like everyone's different. Some Parents are fine with mess as long as it goes away at the end of, um, you know, the playtime or before they go to bed. Or some parents, they don't care. Um, they can then, I suppose, everyone's version of like clean, messy, destroying the house or not destroying the house is different. So 
I think it's setting those routines, those boundaries of what is acceptable and what's not. So the kids know. And then going from there, I think routine is a big one as well. Kids like routine. And I think probably one of the biggest thing that's come out of homeschooling being in lockdown is that all routines that they knew going to school, things like that, have been completely thrown out the window. They can't see their friends. They're not going to school. They're not doing their after-school activities or on the weekends. So their routine, they don't have a routine anymore. Routines are important for kids, aren't they? Well, it is. It they is. like that feeling of certainty, just like you folks who lost your job or not working right now or are getting minimal payments. You have all this uncertainty. Well, they don't like it either. Exactly. And kids and kids are also looking to their parents for, I suppose, mirroring that behavior. So if the parents are stressed about not having a routine, the kids don't have it, but then they're also picking up on the parents' stress as well. So it's really not good. So it's, I suppose, in this uncertain time, it's establishing new routines that'll work while lockdown is happening and while parents are working from home or maybe their job has been put on pause for a period of time and then when things go back to however they're going to go back to whatever that looks like after um, this COVID-19 and lockdown and things like that, then establishing new routines because I think that's something we're all going to have to get used to. What will our lives look like after lockdown and things go back to how it was before but or will it? I think that's probably a big question for everyone. Is everything going to go back to exactly how it was? The, um, you know, I also want to just on the end of that house rules, just bring mm -hmm. up that I found that, and at the time I learned this, my son was four. And so in a four-year-old, right, there's not much buy-in you get necessarily from a four-year-old. So I even had his house rules, though, posted in his room. Yeah. But they were posted, he can't read them, but they were posted for me <laughs> to remind me yeah. what his agreement was and what the house rules were. And then when it wasn't, I'd say, come here, son, look at these things. Do you remember the rules? Well, rule number two says here, don't destroy the house, mm -hmm. you know, and then we would just go over it. So it was a tool for myself. And I think that um, the most valuable bit wasn't necessarily even the techniques that my kids learned from the counseling session or the coaching session that they mm -hmm. received, right? was it was more in a line of um, even the tools that I learned, yeah. right? How I can change because they're modeling the behavior, right? They, they didn't yeah. come through the, the cosmic vortex out of my <laughs> wife's womb with <laughs> all the intelligence, right? Straight away there, right? Mm. They had to model that from they something. Did, yeah. yeah. And so I, when I look at it, I think, well, the behavior is coming from somewhere. And we all know it, don't we, parents? When your child comes home and says something that is quite bizarre or not typical house language, you, th you say immediately, who taught you that? Mm. Where did you learn that from? Who are you hanging around? that gave you that behavior because at the moment all their behavior at their age is based on what they learned from you. Yeah. yeah so, so now you're fixing you, not that you're broken, but you just need more, more tools, more tools, more tools and hold yourself more accountable. And it's really just growth. It's not more work. It's like, Oh yeah, I could have chose that better word. I could use language that's different. Yes, I do find that my language is stagnant and that I'm all, choosing the same 15 words when I speak to my kids all the time. Not That's not happening. Yeah. I'm, it's a greater language than that. But to give yourself more options, I think it's great. It is, and it's all a big learning. You're trying things, seeing if it works, and then adapting it to suit your family and to suit the individual children. So, And kids will pick up on how you're choosing I suppose the language as you just said the language that you're choosing so rather than 
screaming at them saying, if you do that again, you're losing your iPad for a week. Moving from that to if you choose to act in this way, you're, you're choosing. So it's changing that language. Kids are going to pick up on that and go, okay, I have a choice. I have the power. Well, it is. It is all about, well, I'm choosing this, so if I'm going to choose this, okay, no, I don't want to lose my iPad or I don't want to not watch whatever show it is. Okay. And seeing how the parent, and if the parents are remaining as calm as they possibly can, they're going to model that and go, okay, I'm not getting the same reaction as I used to. And then parents following through on the consequences, they're, they're going to start modeling that going, okay, this isn't just a joke. It's not just oh, whatever. They'll just relent. They're going to give me my iPad back in five minutes. They know, okay, no, I've chosen this. So it's just changing that language, changing the behavior. It will be hard. Parents have, yeah, all different experiences. And I'm sure you had some very interesting experiences sure. when you first started implementing it. But it is, it's changing language, changing how you're talking to your kids and just changing how you're doing things and seeing what works. Even just changing how I talk to myself, even in the act interaction mm. with my children. Because, you know, we all have that inner language that's happening oh, while yeah. you're saying things, mm -hmm. right? And you're trying to sort that out. It's even just changing that language. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. So I, I'm just wary of the time and, and, and I'm, I'm not quite ready to close shop just yet because uh, I would love to change the names to protect the innocent. What has... <laughs> What, give me some, an example or some examples of some recent stuff that you've seen, that you've walked into that was maybe a, a mighty big stress and then what did you do to help alleviate that and change to help them change their situation? Yeah. So probably a really big thing at the moment, I think a lot of parents will probably agree with this, is the reliance on technology for kids. Mm. So, and at the moment, kids are probably using technology. That's a great one. Yeah, technology a lot I'm more. taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's more of that addictiveness. So there's so many, they're not just using it for school. They're not just using it for reading or watching movies. There's games. There's interacting with their friends. So on different social media, even on games as well. So I think because there's so much that they can do on them, the amount of time that they're wanting to spend on them, it just increases. So I've really noticed um, with um, a couple of families is that addiction to games mm. and addiction to actually using. And they're designed to be addictive. They are. The they're colors, not, they're not the just sounds. made. They're designed. Yeah. To how can we addict you to this? There's no secret. Nope. No, they're telling you we're looking for technology to make your child addicted to our game. That's it. Wanting to play the, them. The, by at the least the, 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 the cigarette company said, <laughs> no, we're not trying to make you addicted. And we come to find out that they were, but yeah, the games aren't hiding it now. They aren't. They, they're designed that way. And kids, you know, kids want, are wanting to play them. They're wanting to get to the different levels. They can interact with different people um, when they're doing it. And there's so many different types of games there. So that's probably the biggest thing that I'm seeing at the moment is kids being addicted to playing it. And then when they're, that addiction has been taken away, not able to handle those emotions because they've gone from just being completely absorbed in playing this game and being able to do do it for however long and then trying to get out of that mindset and do something else. So that's save us. What do we do? <laughs> it has it does come back to the choices and it's also setting those boundaries. So to be okay, well, as a parent, how how much time do you feel comfortable with your child spending on that particular device doing that particular activity? And it's setting that up. And then it's putting it back to your child. So, okay, just say you've said an hour. They can use it an hour a day. Okay, you can use this de the device for whatever, you know, the game is for an hour. How would you like to divide up that time? Do you want to use it for an hour all in one? 
Do you want to divide it up into 30-minute blocks, 15-minute, whatever it happens to be? And making up a bit of a schedule. So putting like a bit of a weekly, a daily calendar up somewhere so the child can see it and going, okay, we're going to set a timer. So just say they've chosen 30 minutes. Okay, you're at your 30-minute block now and letting them know, okay, once that timer goes off, this is what you need to do. They need to turn it off. They need to put it in a certain place. And then what's the next activity that they're going to do? So if the child has a plan, okay, I've got 30 minutes. This is what I need to do. I need to put the iPad wherever it needs to be. And then I'm going to go on to the next activity, whatever that happens to be. And trialing it. Once again, it's not going to work perfectly and you're going to have a model child who, you know, just happily skips up and gives you the iPad and then happily goes and does another task. But once again, it is that perseverance with it, consistency and the follow through, letting them know that, okay, your 30 minutes is up. You need to put this here. You're moving on to this activity and you you get to use the iPad at this next time. And the uh, the, the, uh, the stress is, is at, at, I had said earlier, I gave an example when I was working at the computer yeah. and my son happened to be home. And um, he's doing his thing and I'm doing my thing. And then he comes over to me, goes, Daddy, I want to play. I said, okay, buddy, uh, I can play with you, but we'll do it in a minute, an adult minute. Okay, yes, an so adult an adult minute, minute yeah. is a bit longer than any kind of minute that we, that we would like. Yeah. So uh, as I'm going, he comes over and then hands me a piece of paper with him and me drawn on it, holding hands and smiling. And I go, oh, buddy, I love this, uh, this drawing. You did what you put a lot of effort into it. I love it so much. And he said, oh, yes, this is us playing. I said, oh, okay, right, we're going to play. I'm <laughs> nearly finished. I just need to tidy this up and hit send. Uh, just one more minute. So another adult minute. Another adult minute, Another yeah. adult minute. And then within his minute time frame, he came up to me with his second rendition of the picture. And I can tell you that the faces were not smiling anymore, right? And I said, and it was at that point I realized I had gone through at least three adult minutes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, well, this is, this needs to be, I need to finish this. And so, um, I just put it aside and just got up and said, okay, here, let's, let's go. I said, I would promise that I would do this with you. And, and, but there are times and you just can't do, you ha you can't get, you can't get up because you are working. You are stuck on the computer. You are stuck on a call. Yeah. You can't le leverage that. And your kid is being occupied by the device. That's right. So it is, it is really hard. And especially at the moment, like so many parents are trying to homeschool, plus do their job at home. So it's a completely different environment for them. Trying to get lots of other things done, plus just the uncertainty of everything. And then add, then just add, a, add your normal adult life on top of that. It is really hard. It's, there's no easy, perfect solution. But one of the things that you said was help them to have a plan. Having so, a plan so, so everyone knows what they're doing as well. That's Once they finish the iPad, they know that they can move to the next, next thing. thing. That's right. So then it's not, okay, well, they're just going to be sitting there twiddling their thumbs. They've got nothing to do. It's looking at, okay, what's that next activity? So whether it's, you know, reading a book, maybe it's going outside playing on their skateboard or scooter or whatever it happens to be, just so they know, okay, I play with the iPad, then I put it away, then I go into this next activity and it's something that they enjoy. Or is it, okay, I do my schoolwork and then I get to have my 30 minutes, then I get to go and do this and then I go back to schoolwork. It's having that plan and that routine. Kids feel safe with boundaries and with routines. Adults do as well, apart from the people who like surprises and things like that, which nothing wrong with surprises. But as you said, unless only the good, ones that work out in their only favor. The, yeah. Only the ones that work out in our favor and they're are usually a positive surprise, but having kids set up the routine so they know what's going on. So they know these are the things we have to do and explaining to kids. There's some things that are just non-negotiables. We have to eat food. We need to have a shower, brush our teeth, and we need to do our work or schoolwork. 
So planning those into the day and then looking for other areas and trying to work out if you can, it's not always possible. Everyone's job has different expectations, but looking at where you can have that particular time with your child as well. So then they know that, okay, we've got this particular bit of time that we're going to spend together, whether it's the lunch break or whether it's after everyone's finished work, we have that dedicated time. It is hard. Parents have got so many pressures on themselves at the moment. It is really, really hard. Plus they're dealing with little people and their emotions as well. It is really hard, but it's just trying things. It's just trying trying it, tweaking it until it works and then know that it's not set in stone. You're going to have to constantly work at it, make sure it's functioning for your family. Something else is going to come along and potentially derail the plan that you had in place. But So being flexible enough that, okay, maybe we weren't able to do this today, so maybe we'll have to do this another day. And just having that open communication with kids so they know that you've got to do work and at the same time they're going to be doing work just so they know that, okay, I'm on a call, so I'm going to be in the bedroom. So unless it's an absolute emergency, you can't come in here. But once I'm done with this, this is the next thing that we'll be doing. Great. Yeah, so I think communication, making sure everyone knows what they're doing and keeping it appropriate for the age of the kids. There's no point in detailing exactly what you've got to do as part of your job to a five-year-old. They don't care. They're not going to understand it. A teenager will have a bit more of a concept of that. But just so everyone knows what they're doing in this time of uncertainty, I think if everyone has a bit of a route, a new routine, this is what we're going to do, it does make it a lot easier. So, And I found like a lot of family, friends and also clients, the ones who do have a routine and a plan tend to, I suppose, be, I'm going to say, functioning better than other people who don't. It doesn't mean the stress not there. You're just God, dealing no. with it better. No, dealing with it better and not getting upset, angry, cranky. And then for all the parents out there, I just want to say that, hey, look, one of um, my specialties is essentially helping uh, not necessarily the children deal with their stresses. That's not necessarily my specialty at all, but it's the adults. Yeah. And uh, look, you guys require different tools. I mean, the house rules and all that help and that language helps and the choices help. And you have, we all have consequences to our choices as well. And as an adult, you're making those choices. Do I drink 13 bottles of wine every night? No, that would be bad. That's a consequence of me doing that means I'm ineffective for the rest of the week, right? So we all have our choices as to what we're doing. Uh, but adults, you guys need to know the things that you need to do to deal with your stresses. And I don't know if you, I'm sure you do. Like, because, but exercise, yoga, breathing. I'm not going to tell you to meditate. Because I think the stigma is, is that you're supposed to close your eyes and not think about nothing, but that's not what meditation necessarily is. And meditation is, is focused time, okay, where we're focusing on something and not necessarily focusing on a task like work, but it's, it's different. It's like an internal focus and it can be very well structured. And for those that find it difficult, well, you know, no one ever said out of the box, Anything was going to be easy. You know, the first time that you no. were doing math, you, someone said, remember your, your seven times tables. And then you were like, yeah, right. Yeah. I'll never remember that. But I'll, if I ask you what seven times two is pretty much every adult's going to be able to answer that. Four maybe times. seven times seven, <laughs> maybe not. Right. Okay. No, I'm just joking. But, um, even though it wasn't easy out of the box. So adults, you know what you need to do. You need to, you know, exercise, you need to stretch, you need to eat right. You need to drink 
correctly, like water, not drink right. Like, yes, drink your beer quickly. No, no <laughs> that's not what I mean. I mean, drink fluids right now. Yeah, it's, it's an important time more than ever to do the things that you need to do to support your body and then support your brain so that while you're dealing with the stress is that you're not passing your baggage on to your children. And it, 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 it's not their place to deal with our stresses. They have their own stresses. There's, they're worried about, you know, what they're having for their snack at school or in between their, their um, online learning sessions. Their stress is, am I going to get past level three of this amazing game that I'm addicted to while my parents are trying to get me off of it, mm. right? They're, but they feel it the same as yeah. us adults feel the fact that our bank accounts are slowly being chopped away with nothing coming into them, yeah. potentially. Some people are working their tails off, but... That's it. I was going to say, but I think self-care is, as you said, different... People do, I suppose, self-care in different ways, and it's so important just to maintain your mental health and... It can be something really small. It could be, you know, going outside, having a cup of tea. It could be reading a book, whatever it happens to be. It doesn't have to be this massive grand thing. It can be something really, really small. And that's just how you, re you revive yourself and keep yourself mentally healthy. And remembering it is important. It's it is important. It is. And I suppose amongst all this working from home, people think that they have to come out of this with like a newly renovated house. The whole house has been organized to within an inch of its life and they've got all these special skills. You don't have to do that. Sometimes just getting through is fine as well. You don't need to have achieved all of these major things. Yeah, that's right. Remember, when you see people's achievements on their social network, you're not seeing the pain behind no. any of those many achievements. <laughs> and you're not seeing what hasn't been achieved. And no one's yeah. sharing that with you. No. So they might be great at cooking their dinner meal, but they're not managing what money they have well. I'm not just an example. That yeah. may not be the truth, right? But they're not managed themselves well, or but they can cook well. I mean, and we're just picking and choosing what we do. And remember, the comparison is the thief of your soul. It is. And really, if you want to organize everything, I say do it. But if you don't, that's okay too. Yeah. So there's some weekends, even outside of this whole pandemic and things like that, some weekends where you achieve so many things. There's other weekends where your biggest accomplishment is finishing off something on Netflix. And that's okay. I think that's probably the big thing to... The Ozark series. I finished the Ozark series. I don't know if you're into <laughs> Netflix or anything. But... Oh, I am into Netflix. I haven't watched that one yet. It is definitely oh, on the list. So... What's, the, what's the actor's name? Um, oh, my God. He's brilliant. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I can see his face um, in my brain. But, yeah, his name is completely gone. Oh, that is on the list. Brilliant. Watch. Yeah, brilliant. Exactly. Brilliant series. And, it, yeah, you just got to sometimes tuning in and tuning out. It's all different for everyone. It is. Um Look, I really appreciate you showing up here. Thank you for your w words of wisdom and sharing choices Thank and house you. rules and and just making it okay for people to have pain in, in, in this yeah. time. And, and it's um, okay not to be okay and not be handling it perfectly. I think yeah. that's probably just, I suppose, that takeaway message. It's okay. I remember I asked a friend of mine uh, one day, I see, he goes, uh, and excuse my language, and I said to him about his parenting, he goes, my, one of my main goals is not to fuck my kids up too badly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's I said, a, okay, cool. That's, that's okay. That's a pretty good goal. Yeah. That's a good goal. So yeah. I said, okay, well, yeah. that's a, it. And, and if you can do that well, yeah, then, then I think you're off to a good start. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much again, Kirsty, for showing up folks. Uh, I'm Dr. John. This is amplified living. And I want to just mention that fireshaper.com and .com AU 
is my website for our yoga studios that are hot yoga studios. It's where we inspire people. We help people change their lives, get their minds back, get their breath back, get their youth back. Did I mention get their youth back? Uh, and the reason why I mention it is because without those studios, even though in the pandemic they're closed, I must say they will reopen. Uh, but without those studios providing the income, I wouldn't be able to do these podcasts and bring you fabulous guests like Kirsty. And I also want to put a shout out to my personal clients because, um, as you know, as my listeners, that I do see uh, personal coaching clients and I see my chiropractic and healing bodywork patients. And, uh, and those people, you guys are fabulous for trusting my services. And if it wasn't for my ability to be able to help other people and those people trusting me, I, once again, wouldn't have the ability to be here, sit with these wonderful people, have these amazing conversations. So I love you so much. Thank you again, Amplified Living, and smooches to everyone. Adios. Love you. Bye.